2: and center it sounds very huge and elevated and that's what it feels like like once you're working there because rent is about much more than just friendship love and musical theater it was about something that shook musical
3: theater people are becoming more and more comfortable with, you know issue
0: of people being different
4: i mean we do it all I mean, you know we don't we don't back away from anything
0: Welcome to Broadway Bullet, Volume 314, for June 4th, 2009. I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, and we got a lot of great stuff for you this week. We have got Michael McDonald, Tony-nominated costumer for Hair. We've also got people associated with the shows Don't Leave It to Your Children, and Danny and Sylvia, the Danny k musical. We're also going to hear songs from the newly released cast recordings of Hair... West Side Story, and Rock of Ages. And Marty Cooper is here, and we kind of discuss our predictions for some of the Tony Award nominations. I was hoping to have a few more Tony nominees on here, but I've been uh, knee deep in working on negotiating for a very exciting project, uh, not only for myself, but uh, should it come through, it will also be a very good project that you'll get to see the backstory of and all the inside workings. Um, I can't say what it is yet, but I think it should be finalized up before the next episode, and uh, then I will spill all the news right here. But in the meantime, we got some fantastic interviews, some really entertaining stuff going on, and uh, let's jump right right on into the program.
5: On the Boards.
0: Don't Leave It All to Your Children is a new musical that opened off-Broadway on May 20th. And we have some legendary people in the business here that are involved (laughs) here in the studio to help. Saul Ilson, who is the writer and director creator of the show. Also a five-time Emmy winner for Various things, including the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour, as a writer. Marcia Rod is a Tony-nominated actress. Uh, uh, I lost the Tony nomination, but I know you also originated *Last of the Red Hot Lovers* with uh, Neil Simon, amongst many other things. How are the two of you doing? Well, very, very well. And we're kind of happy to be here and tell people about our show.
2: <laughs> if they want to hear.
0: <laughs> now, the biggest thing looking at this, this is this is definitely geared towards, dare I say, an older audience. Yes.
2: You, d- you, dare, you dare say that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Why do we want to see a well, bunch of old people? Well, a lot of old people do <laughs> That's why. <laughs>
6: well, I'll tell you, you, really, you don't have to be old to, no. to see the show because uh, these are people everybody knows. They're your parents. They're your grandparents. They're your neighbors. and. Uh, are you
2: dreaded ant or anything you know Yeah it's
6: basically a show where to welcome the baby boomers to let them know what they can look forward to and their new to age of being into <laughs> seniors, you know. We have kind of a swearing-in ceremony to bring them into line.
0: Is, is that the AARP magazine that comes in the mail? <laughs> yes. But that's an idea. That, that,
2: that is the first <laughs> shock. You get. Maybe we get an ad there.
0: Yeah. So, so uh, quickly tell us a little bit about the show itself, and then we can in. The show basically
6: is a com- musical comedy review, and we talk about various subjects that related to being a senior, what it's like to be a senior in, in the new millennium, and we we talk about uh, a man saying, I've had a wonderful life. He talks about his life, but he, his attitude is, if you don't count all the aggravating times that I knew, all of the troubles that my kid put me through, if you don't count all the times I cried, the night when I almost died, I've had a wonderful life. <laughs> so we take that point of view. There's a song in it called, The High Cost of Dying is Killing Us, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it's basically, a, there's a lot of comedy in the show, and, and you know, and, and and you know we have a great cast. Of, uh, besides Marsha, we have uh, <laughs> Ronnie Shell from television. The audience, uh, our audience, will know him. There's Steve Rossi from Allen and Rossi, in the show. And there's Barbara Minkus. Well, we do have a younger audience, so why don't you really quickly
0: say what they the, what they did as well?
6: Well, <laughs> Steve Rossi was part of a comedy team with Allen and Rossi, and uh, he. Marty was, uh, Allen was the one with all the long, all, the wild the hair. hair, and. <laughs> and uh, The audience, you know, uh, they were a very, very famous comedy team back in the 60s and perhaps in 50s and 60s, and uh, they were like the Martin and Lewis uh, of that time. The Ed I, I, I think show. a bunch <laughs> of our
0: listeners just went, who?
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, I know, it's, yeah. the truth. it's the truth. Ed <laughs> Sullivan used to have a show on TV that was a variety show. That's we fine. don't have those anymore now.
0: Whoa, <laughs> the, except for uh, Jay Leno is like doing prime time. I, I,
2: well, I don't know if that's going to be a variety show
0: or just a oh. night, I, night talk show. <laughs> no, I have a feeling they'll have to in, in the time slot. They'll, they, you know, they,
6: they will have to. They but might to. Well,
0: I'll talk, but I bet they move to more yeah. and more yeah entertainment no, I think they
6: will have to in that time slot the The, the thing about the show is this you don 't as I said, you may not know the actors personally or you 'll read about their careers and they 've all had tremendous careers and they 're legendary people in the business
2: at least long careers but,
6: <laughs> but, 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 but it is that if you are a younger person, you can be in your twenties, you can be in your thirties, you will understand this show. you will really get a sense and also i 'll tell you what it, 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 it's fun to come and see because, you know, for your audience, one day if they're lucky, they're going to become senior citizens. <laughs> so they can get a, a glimpse of what they can look forward to,
2: you know. But it's not serious. <laughs> I mean, he, he's making it sound like it's serious. He wrote every word and every every lyric and every song, and he's a genius. But it's also funny. I mean, it's mostly funny. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean,
6: we, we do play it
0: for laughs. I mean... Do uh, you have a little bit of a comedy pedigree? <laughs> a little correct? bit. Why you bit. tell them about it? You, you wrote for a talent show in your hometown? Well, I, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. As a matter of fact, yes, I did. I wrote for a talent show.
6: And, and, and I, was discovered, I was discovered uh, 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 walking on the street. <laughs> uh, no, my, my career began back in uh, – I used to write co- uh, comedy for uh, local comedians when they'd come in. Uh, I was in Montreal and I'd write material for comedians who would come in from – New York, or the states. <laughs> what I would do is write local jokes. Maybe I'd write, and they'd use two or three, and then go into their own routine. So just to make it make them feel like they know what's going on in town. And then I started that, and then I start. I wrote a, a musical, which I sold. Don't uh, they have
0: people doing that for Obama now? Yes. <laughs> As a matter of fact, yes.
6: <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, uh, my my career. I've always run. You know, when I was a kid, I I I. I used to get into trouble because I remember one quick anecdote was when I was about 12 years old. I used to write notes in class and send them on to everybody who would look at them and they would be <laughs> laughing. And one day my teacher, Ms. Berlin, intercepted the note that I would given to my friend Freddie. And she took it, and she said, "Why don't you come up and read it to the class? Why why should we? Why can't we all enjoy what's going on?" And I said, "No, no, it's not really a, a good idea. I, you know, it's very personal." And, and she said, "No, I insist." And what it was it was Miss Berlin's obituary. <gasps> oh. <laughs> you know, I'd written the fact that Miss Berlin died yesterday while she kept me in after school. A football came through the window and hit her in the head, and she died. And I didn't know what to do, so I flushed her down the toilet. Well, I got suspended for uh, two weeks. Oh, but so I used to do these crazy, you know, and that's how it. Uh, uh,
2: Mr. Berlin had no sense of humor, not, you know. No,
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> so. and, and Marcia your yes. background among many other things you've worked with uh, Neil Simon little, oh yeah a little yeah. comedy playwright oh yes yes. never yeah. quite got the recognition he deserved no poor, he?
2: Thing. poor thing he's
0: still, <laughs> still struggling along yes yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> no I mean I've done but I predict good
0: things for him I think he's a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yes uh, that's but. where you know your audience is if your audience is still going that young upstart Neil Simon that's right it's exactly that <laughs> (laughs)
2: Saul is not that old
0: (laughs) but you know (laughs) really the truth of the matter
6: is we do have a lot of fun on the show and uh, as I said
2: and what is the name of the show
6: Don't Leave It All to Your Children Don't
2: Leave It All to Your Children and our
6: our website is (laughs) Don't Leave It All to Your Children there's no apostrophe
2: (laughs) and it's .com and And it's at the uh, Actors Temple Theater on West 47th Street between right. 8th
0: and 9th. You know, well, we got a little more talking to do. So <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> no, but I know.
2: But I see our publicity person getting very nervous that we yeah. never mentioned the show or where it is. That's right. So
0: <laughs> I, I wanted B- to feel better. Publicity people do that. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any jokes about publicity people? <laughs>
6: <laughs> I would, listen, if, even if I did, I wouldn't dare. <laughs> but, uh, you know, no, really, I mean, it, it, I, I don't know. The, I assume the demographics of your audience are like you,
0: you know. and uh, No, it's pretty widespread. Yeah. But we, we do have some older listeners, but we do. We have a lot of like high schoolers who are looking at going on and studying and you know and I, I definitely would like to also talk to you in just a minute about some of your advice I'm sure you have a wellspring of advice <laughs> in, in your long if, if not grand career yeah. stay, stay out of the business <laughs> <laughs> but before we continue maybe we can play one of the songs sure. from the show that you Absolutely. got a demo okay uh, do you want to set up this first one well yeah play? this
6: is a number called there are three of you for every one of me now <laughs> in uh, the age category that we're talking about there are three Single women for every single man, you know. And, 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 cool, and I'm and, looking forward to getting. And, and you know, and, and it's like basically w- what it is is that in the song we, the concept of the song is that it's tough for women, you know, because you know men are, are our age are looking for, uh, you know. Uh,
2: it's tough for women, but it's really easy for Steve Rossing. Yes. see, that's the whole point <laughs> Yeah. So I, yeah, I think play in
6: itself is explanatory. it's self-explanatory. Uh, it'll give you everybody an idea of what, what the show's all about, and I think they'll understand w- with the song what's going on.
1: Yeah.
0: All <laughs> okay, well, right, let's take a listen.
1: <laughs> for all you senior men out there, I have some good news and bad news. First, the good news. There are three single senior women for every single senior man. The bad news is there's not one single senior man who can take care of three single senior women (laughs) except me. (laughs) So, I have a responsibility to keep up my virility, what's left of it. Because there's three of you and only one of me. There's three of you and only one of me. Three of you who want my company. In my age category, there's a lack of inventory of single men to go around. So, guys like me have suddenly found that we are hot and we are in demand. So, ladies, please try to understand you've got. To be patient, I'm doing the best I can There's only 24 hours in a day And I am just one man I'm at the age where almost every part of my body hurts And the parts that don't hurt don't work (laughs) There's three of you and only one of me Since I've become a rare commodity More women have been taking good care of me I used to be so svelte and I used to be much thinner. But I have a weakness. I'm a sucker for a free dinner. And I've had some great ones. Lucy made me crepe suzettes. Linda made me beef brochettes. Josie made me enchiladas. They were better than my modest. Annie brought me Chinese food. Olga served me in the nude A single dance is a dangerous place to be Let me tell you what happened to me A dance hall filled with people Were waiting to quench their thirst When I walked in the hall They started a brawl Someone yelled, he's mine I saw him first I said, sir I tried to leave and the women barred the door and suddenly it became a tug-of-war I couldn't believe it I was a 75-year-old sex symbol You've got to be patient I'm doing the best I can There's only 24 hours in a day And I am just one man of my testosterone ain't what it used to be in. There's three of you And only one of me Now I don't want to brag But last night Three women were banging on my door <laughs> They kept banging and banging and banging You know what I did? I finally let them out <laughs> <laughs> There's three you
0: As I said, I, I have a feeling that the two of you have a, a lot of good wellsprings of advice for <laughs> for people who are are just looking to, like, you know, dip their toes into this career. Uh, what are some of the early breaks that you made? And, and I guess to put it in a little context, how do you feel the business has changed in terms of, uh-huh. like, early breaks from when you got into? to now
6: well uh, it's different business I mean when I started uh, years ago <laughs> the, the, the networks were run by showmen for example Bill Paley ran CBS Mr. Paley and then there was David Sarnoff General Sarnoff at NBC and Leonard Goldenson and these were men like you know the old movie moguls they understood what it was to go out and market and sell stars and, 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 and make sure that their promotion and make sure that they're covered, that, they, that we take care of them. Today, it's a different below the line. I, you know, my, part of my career was also a vice president over NBC in the program department. I did comedy, variety, late night specials. And we tried to come up with entertainment you know, and, and we try to put on shows that we believed would really work. Today, it's like, you know, first of all, it's a different business today. When I did the Smothers Brothers show many years ago, we, we we got we had like a 36 share of the audience, <laughs> which is a pretty good share of an audience. Today, because television today are, are a series of boutiques, they're no longer net. The network is shrinking, and today, you know, you got sports, you got food, you got anything you want. You just tune in. And if, if a network can get an 8 rating, yeah. they, they are thrilled. And also it's more of, you know, the banks are now running, yes, the, 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 you know, the networks. The, the, they're running the movie business, and it's really the bottom line. That doesn't mean that there are not good programs on the air. There are still a lot of good programs because by default you put something <laughs> on a network. You know, an executive friend of mine had best because young people are running the networks today. And uh, they have different tastes than what we had when we were doing it. So this is like now, it's their time in their world to do it. And, but they're still, you know, you look at the Seinfeld, is certainly a, a wonderful show, I mean, but personality-driven. And and the audience came to it, you know, and there's still shows, on, you know, like, take Colbert, I mean. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> the, the, the thing about the show is that uh, I just read it. You know, because some people believe he's really serious. Uh, yeah, I love <laughs> that, it when I love that, it when the, the guests don't
0: seem to have gotten the oh, note that you know. Yeah,
6: and you know, I was and, like, oh, wait, I thought he was going to be friendly to my cause. <laughs> he's right, attacking yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, and I notice, and, and, and the same thing with John Stewart. You know, and yeah. you know, they're well, brilliant I, minds. I
0: get to, you know every once in a while I kind of have fun like Stephen Colbert, just for the reason I think makes for a fun interview. Sometimes, of course, sure. that's and what he
2: does at t- <laughs> I, I think of
0: an interview where everybody agrees can be kind yeah. of boring and. very, Self-serving with every once in a while I get a listener going, Oh my god, I can't believe you insulted the Canadian Festival Way. <laughs> and, I, and all I'm thinking is you remembered that we talked about no. the Canadian Festival Way. That's
6: <laughs> Well, you know, <laughs> the, the reality is the audience are really getting younger and younger. The demographics are really what they want. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't be
2: surprised in a year if they didn't put on a show starting a fetus. <laughs> <laughs> I think that for for performers, I mean now, first of all, you really ought to learn Everything you can about a computer <laughs> and about Facebook and about all that stuff, because most of that stuff now is happening on on the internet. I mean, I don't know how much longer there's going to be things around that aren't on the internet. Because and, and and the people that I know that are successful now not only perform, they write, they they produce, they do everything much more than when I was when I was coming up. I wish I had I wish I
0: had written and produced. Do you, do you both have Facebook <laughs> accounts. No. No. No, I don't. I, I do. do. You do? Shooters. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. All right. Yeah. What about Twitter? You guys no,
2: Twitter
0: yet? I, I, I refuse
2: to Twitter. <laughs> I, I just, I said it's too much. Facebook yeah. is too much. I get, I get so many emails every day. I'm ready to shoot <laughs> myself. No.
6: no, but, you know, I'll tell you. Uh, th- today you asked a question, uh, getting into the business, uh, it's different, but it's, I think there are literally more opportunities because mm. you can now present what you have to say all over the internet, in many ways, or Facebook, whatever it is. So somebody is paying attention.
7: You can yeah.
6: you're, you're reaching a vast audience. If you write something, you know, in my day when I started writing something, I had very few outlets. I, I went to to see someone at a, at a network, you know, I mean, or, or send my script to an agent who literally would never even look upon it because he didn't <laughs> know who the hell I was. But today, you, there are opportunities. And you've got to go out, you know, just do it. There's no such thing as... I, I would not but discourage But here's my
0: question and from your point of view. Are they truly opportunities, or is it just more noise and clutter?
6: To yes,
2: and do there? they get any... Can they make a living at it?
6: No, but here's my point. It only takes one person <laughs> to have looked at your material and say, okay, rather than taking your material, trying to get it in... To, for someone to read at the moment. Mm-hmm. It had to try to get an agent, and an agent says, I can't sell you unless you have some credits. How am I going to get credits if I, you can't sell me? And I think that there are opportunities. I really believe that. I, you know, I, now and then I see some, somebody wrote some piece, and I thought, wow, that's really interesting. It's very, you know, it's very, very interesting, and, and I think that has possibilities. I don't follow through because I'm not in that business anymore, <laughs> you know. But it's, the truth of the matter is I think there are opportunities. Yeah, like anything else, you know, there are, days when people would come into town whether it's new york or hollywood with a dream Mm -hmm. and the only thing they can do is keep knocking on the doors and hopefully somebody will open the door for them And it's, it's the same thing they're using you know using the the internet today i mean there's no formula there really is no formula but i think there are opportunities for young people
0: what do you think about susan boyle (laughs) <laughs> you, uh, she's gone through the VH1 you know true life backstory in wow. like two weeks <laughs> I thought yeah. it, it all happened so fast now it's all over yeah. <laughs> next year we no, don't from surprise success to like drunken rehab in two weeks it's <laughs> like <laughs> yeah but, but now rehab
2: you know
6: you gotta remember in rehab she's gonna have a whole new audience
2: <laughs> oh, such yeah. a story oh it could only happen now because of computers it would never happen otherwise
0: yeah. <laughs> well though you mentioned like said back in the day you know Ed Sullivan had like a massive share isn't it possible that someone weren't there the, weren't the Beatles essentially in America kind of a similar thing where they went from a kind of a few people knew about them in America to boom overnight everybody knew who the yeah. Beatles were that's right once again but because so, of
2: Ed uh, Sullivan
6: because of Sullivan he really he was the, uh, but don't forget at that time there were three networks and everybody tuned in to see I Sullivan know. all the entire family so the kids were, had an opportunity. It wasn't the parents because the parents were not thrilled about the Beatles in those days, you know, mm-hmm. or Elvis Presley, you know, but the, uh, the, once again, the younger, like for example, what, what do you watch?
0: Well, You know, I watch Hulu yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on my own time. It's a network, so I love Hulu. Yeah. It's like, but and I watch DVD. watch shows on DVD. Quite yeah. frankly, if it were for my girlfriend, who thinks that like you know, it's unnatural. <laughs> she's she's still into buying into the old networks, wanting you to watch when you want to watch. You know, yeah. And we battle that. She thinks you should watch when there's commercials, and so you can flip. And uh, yeah. and I like Brent. I, wait, I per- prefer waiting for the DVDs to come sure. out yeah. and yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. watching on Hulu, and you know, kind sure. of. Picking my own time, yeah, sure.
2: it's a whole new <laughs> way to,
0: <laughs> way to live. <laughs> but you know, along with you know, all, you know, this don't leave it all to your children and and television. I don't, I don't think there is enough entertainment. It's always viewed kind of negatively, like you know. You, why are you doing shows for old people? <laughs>
6: yeah, you know, well, uh, I'll tell you. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: They've got the most time. <laughs> and sometimes the most money. <laughs> and they go to the theater. Yeah.
6: But, you know, it's interesting that uh, talking about the most time and the money, and people always, uh, myself included, always thought that the reason the networks, want, they wanted the younger people, is because you know they were the hip, the hip audience, but and they didn't want anybody over forty-nine or fifty. The true reason is because when I was doing that for, the reason we they want the younger audience is because the sponsors
0: feel that the old people have made their decisions.
6: Exactly. Yeah. That the, you know if you call, if you're using Colgate, you're over fifty and you're using Colgate, you you're not going <laughs> to change, and they know they're not going to get you to change. So they want to get oh, the I younger know. audience to <laughs> who has an opp- they have an opportunity to sell.
0: I'm going to propose I've heard that theory many times and I just thought of another one that I'm going to throw <laughs> out there into the stratosphere. Yeah. Maybe older people can get motivated and realize it, and boy, I think it's awesome cuz quite frankly older people put up with it. Mm-hmm. They have the time they watch the television and they're maybe a bit lazy and they'll they'll even if it doesn't really interest them they'll watch it cuz they got the time and it's mm-hmm. on. It's, it's, and they're not. I think the networks are still getting that audience yeah. without catering to them. Probably, probably. Also, and but
6: you're, you're missing the the fact that there are so many other channels hmm. on the air. You no, I mean, I talk. And, to and s- I
0: don't mean just networks. I mean all of the. No, networks. I
6: talked to. But I talked to a lot of seniors who say, you know, there're 500 channels. There's nothing to look at. Them. <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, there are certain channels, for example, that uh, will play the old the old shows, the old Andy Griffith show, and and there's a whole new audience people discovering the what they were like.
8: Yeah.
6: But it's true seniors do, you know, and let's face it they're they're sitting alone or they're sitting and they're not going to get out. They don't go dancing every night. And they'll sit and watch perhaps, you know, it's the lesser of all the evils. <laughs> they'll see, you know they'll so sit.
0: Maybe the networks will pay attention if we get all the seniors to know that they can do things like subscribe to Netflix. Yes. Watching <laughs> and Hulu and, and that they're not captive to pres- you know to yeah. whatever is being push towards yes. them. Yeah. you know, And maybe if they start losing that audience that they're just getting by default, maybe they'll start programming. Well, I
2: also think, let me just say this, I think there are like two different elements of older audiences. There are the people that I say like have become old, walk old, talk old, and they stay home and they don't do much. And then there's a whole new element of over 60 that are out there doing things, learning computers, you know, and they're they're active. It's not like in our parents' age where... You know, you say it at home all the time. So, I mean, that's sort of, in yeah. a way, the audience we're yeah. we're, we're cage We don't we don't have an old show. No, it's no. a very bright up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that's so. another
0: thing. Just from from what you're describing, I think there's a difference <laughs> between a show that has a largely older cast and a show that only appeals to older people. I, I that's different. I, yeah. I, I don't think anybody. Th- I mean, the Golden Girls certainly didn't just <laughs> like, appeal exactly. to yep. an older audience. Yep. Yes. <laughs> but, well, basically,
6: that's the same audience that, that we were looking for because, you know, none of our cast, are, they're old, but they haven't graduated into old. They're not, <laughs> you know, they, they, they're, they're still vibrant. They, they, they go out there and do, I mean, you know, we're out going to theater, we're out doing things. You know, nobody's sitting home. I mean, here we are doing a show about people who happen to be in their senior years. It's really...
2: It was an accident.
6: You know, it's, it's it, you know, I mean, when you say, is it about <laughs> seniors? It's about real people who live, who have life, who worry about, at their age, dating, worry about their grandchildren, worry about all the various things that we talk about, but we do it in a comedic way. The whole idea of the show is laughs. Like, one of the title songs is called We've Got the Best Medicine, which is laughter. And, and especially in today's times, you know, the way things are in the world... Our show economically is, is, you know, you can afford it. It isn't Broadway prices. And you can leave there f- with a smile on your face. You feel good. And that's the whole concept of why we're doing this show called Don't Leave It All to Your Children <laughs>
2: <laughs> at the Actors Temple,
0: Temple Theater. Theater yeah, don't Leave It All to Your Children. West Forty com. No comma, right. <laughs> We're going to uh, also have a discount for Broadway Bullets. Yes. At the oh, we yeah, office. That's right. I'll give the details at the end of that. Oh, okay. We'll one more for you. Yeah, <laughs> right. well, we got one more song to yes. listen to oh. before we wrap right. this all up. This is a
6: song that was done in the show. Actually, Marsha didn't do it in the show. It was from another company, and it's called Age is Not a Factor Anymore. And I think uh, it'll, also, once again, it'll it's tell everybody. It's
2: self-explanatory.
6: So it's so from yeah.
0: a previous company, and this is in the new show. Yes. This is Marsh's song. So yeah, you, yes. have to, you have to come see the show to it, hear Marsh's yes, song. does yes. it better than ever. <laughs> <laughs> he has to say that, of course. <laughs> All right, let's take a listen to the song.
4: To me, age is just a number. And my number is unlisted. And I haven't missed it one bit Some count the years as they are mounting I've decided to stop counting Knowing my age has no appeal I just count the way Age is not a factor anymore. Things are not the way they were before. Back then when you were elderly, there was nothing to discuss. You were put in a home or you lived with your kids. Today our kids live with us and you cannot get rid of them. You can talk about age. Oh, it's perfectly fine. If you're buying antique furniture or a lovely bottle of wine, other than that, I do not keep score, for all I know, I could be a hundred and four. Age is not a factor anymore, it's no longer a detractor, and what's more, The old cliches and stereotypes have been rendered obsolete. Today, when I meet up Boy Scout, I help him cross the street. My mantra every day is, go, girl, go.
8: I always
4: bet on win, not place or show. That is the way I like to fill my plate.
1: For all I know, I could be a
4: hundred and eight. Here's what I've learned through all the years. It's what goes on between the ears. Your attitude can spell danger lurking. And if you're told at work you're too old by some young Turk, remind the jerk is old, and she's still working, age is not a factor today, and it's very hard to gauge it anyway, take Morty, who is 40, but acts like he's 80, and Sadie, who is 80, has the hots for Warren Beatty. Get the picture, get the point. Sadie's Secret, now and then she smokes a joint. She lives it up and does it with a roar. When I get to be 80, I want to be like Sadie. Sadie is the one I comprehend. And maybe Warren Baby has a friend. let me sum it up and make it clear i'd rather laugh and drink champagne than sit here crying in my beer that is the way that i have always been for all i know i could be 110 or 20 or 30 who cares
0: I can't believe we haven't gotten to this yet. Just before we played that song, you mentioned this has had a uh, already quite a successful run over on yes. the left coast. Correct? It's it, on the left coast. It's
6: played <laughs> at, at the Palm Springs for four seasons, winter seasons. In
2: different versions. Oh, yeah. They're all, I
6: keep rewriting then. the show. I constantly keep adding new material yes. to the show. not to the delight of our cast now and then. No, but
2: some people, some of us like it, and some of us don't ever want to learn anything else. And and,
6: and our winter season started in December, and we'd go to the end of April when the snowbirds were there. The show also played in Walnut Creek outside of uh, San Francisco and did quite well. And, you know, I just want to mention one thing for your audience. Here's an opportunity for Father's Day to bring your parents or your grandparents to come and see the show. We have a special... Deal going on right now. All they have to do is mention Father's Day. They call the box office or go online.
2: They don't have to be a father.
6: They don't have to be a father. Oh. But and it's also and 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 the special price. It's a forty dollars price for the normal price. 40, Forty-five. Forty-five. 45 yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow! I just tried Woo! to get myself out of five dollars. You
0: know. <laughs> But uh, the box I, office is going to come at you. Yeah, that's right. I know come also, on, Saul. It is a great thing. Okay, yeah, upside down for your friends. This is a wonderful
6: <laughs> way to get rid of your guilt. <laughs> you know, if you haven't seen your parents for a long time and you don't want to really spend a lot of time with them, but you want, you love them, and you'd like to be with them, come and see the show.
2: It's an hour and a half. And it's on matinee. We have Wednesday Mat- matinee, Saturday matinee, yeah. Sunday matinee, three o'clock.
6: Yeah. And you'll get rid of retroactive guilt for at least 10 years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, before we wrap up with, with, you, with your very long and, and luminous careers, <laughs> I'm sure it's hard to boil down to a point, but if each of you could maybe share one moment to you that really you felt made your difficult choice of a career worthwhile, like that, one of those moments where you're like, yeah, this is why I do this. Okay.
6: Well, for me, The minute I got my first paycheck, (laughs) I said, this is why. No, I mean, I'll tell you what. The first time I I heard people laugh at my jokes Uh. made it worthwhile for me. When I sat there and I said, they're laughing at something that I wrote or stole. (laughs) You know, but that's that's really the the thing. I mean, I, I sit back in the audience right now. And I hear the people laughing and applauding at our actors, and, and I watch our actors do the material, and, and I feel this is wonderful. Have, look at that! I'm making, helping make people laugh. It what? has
2: to get do something good for all the grief you have to yes. go through to get it there. <laughs> well, I, I think. Let's see. My, my, when I was in the fourth grade or fifth grade, I found I was in some. Play about Thanksgiving, I think, and I found out I looked a heck of a lot better in makeup than I did without. And that was like a real turning point for me.
6: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah you know. And also, when Miss Berlin gave me my chance to perform in front of an audience about her obituary, that that, that, that also was kind of gratifying. It is. Uh,
0: yeah. And and I, I had space the show title at the beginning of the interview, but I should mention again, you were you received your Tony nomination for Shelter, correct? For Shelter, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah. I was thinking. Something else. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's how long of a commitment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, motivation? because
7: you mentioned last her <laughs> lovers. I thought
2: that was <laughs> no. something else. Drama <laughs> critics or something. <laughs> <laughs> but I,
6: I urge your your, your audience to you know to come and take a lift. You have the time and you want to see what it's all about and really get some laughs. I suggest you come and see our show at the Actors
0: Temple. Just go, or go online. <laughs> Don't leave it all to your children no apostrophe. <laughs> And now to give that, you know promised uh, discount, we have oh, yeah. a discount for Broadway bullet listeners. The top price ticket is fifty-six dollars. Fifty fifty-five dollars and we're getting then you can get it for forty-five. Forty? This one's forty. The, oh, it's better be, than the Father's Day ticket. You must know, <laughs> never trust me. <laughs> <laughs> because
6: I don't get I, 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 yeah, it's it's I got some land, some swamp land in Florida. Yeah, I gotta go back now and face some people who who are who will deduct it.
0: <laughs> yeah. But it's forty dollars, yes. and you say Broadway Bullet at the box office. Yes. So, um, and you can either go to the box office or call it from. I don't give all the n- too many numbers, but the main thing is don't leave it all to your Right yes. gets all the information yes. you need, yeah. and uh, and it's an open run for them. Yes, it is. And again, it's three matinees, evening performances too. Yes. Saturday evening,
6: it's Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday matinees at three, and Saturday evening at eight. All right, mm-hmm. and bring your parents.
2: How <laughs> your children or your grandchildren we don't care.
0: We'll let you. Your <laughs> parents there. bring your children let them That's understand right. what you're going through. Uh, right, and they're going to see some and if, you, and if a woman is pregnant
6: the child gets in for nothing.
0: <laughs> and they're going to definitely see some people who know a little bit about comedy. Yes, I would say so. Yeah. All right, so Saul Ilson and Marcia Rod, I thank you so much for coming Thanks, in Michael, and, it and talking. It's thank been you. a lot of fun. Thank <laughs> you. Thank
2: you, thank you. Um,
0: We're about to talk to Tony nominee Michael McDonald, who's nominated for costume design for Hair, and what better way to introduce him than a cut from the newly released cast recording of Hair. Uh, you can find it now on digitally, and I believe it's out in stores physically anytime. Um, but here is the title song, Hair, from the new cast recording of Hair.
3: She asks me why
4: I'm just a hair I'm hairy noon and night, hair that's a fright. I'm hairy high and low, don't ask me why, don't know. It's not for lack of bread, like the grateful dead
3: darling Give me a head with hair Long, beautiful hair Shining, gleaming Steaming, flax and wax Give me it down to there long
0: McDonald is head of the costume department for the New York Shakespeare Festival and he has recently received his very first Tony nomination for hair uh, which is currently running and getting great reviews and lots of nominations and we have costume designer Michael McDonald here with us in the studio. How are you doing? Very well thanks for having me. The important questions first. How often does somebody ask you to sing "Yeah, i Be There"? <laughs> I usually
9: get the look. Michael McDonald, and I go, "Yeah, shaved my beard, changed careers." Yeah, I get that a lot. Um, the lady at um, Con Edison is really actually convinced I'm Michael McDonald when I signed up for my um, electric bill. I couldn't convince her, so I finally said, "Yeah, it's me."
0: So hair. Now this uh, costume design very intensive because they're naked the whole time.
9: No. They're <laughs> yes, they are naked for the entire second act because the, it, it, it would seem so because of the interest in the nudity in the show. Of course, you know, I, I get that. It's fun. People get naked. So people want to ask about that. But, um
0: seems awfully odd that people would ask the costume designer about the nakedness though.
9: Yeah, I guess I guess they're more interested in <laughs> them when they're not wearing clothing. But you know, it's not actually it's not actually an odd question because the reality of it, even though people don't ask it for that, it was it was a, you know them taking their clothes clothes off in a hurry is, is a costume challenge. Um, getting out of their regular uh, getting out of their regular tribe costumes into their B and costumes and then out of them quickly was a huge technical thing for the costume and sound department.
0: And then there are several characters played. Where, 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 where did you draw your inspiration from on on hair for the costume design? I looked at mostly
9: real um, um, footage of events where hippies um, participated in. You know, uh, everyone of course, of course, Woodstock and the Woodstock movie. Even though that was 1969, I, I looked at that for reference because I'd never actually watched the Woodstock movie. But in doing research for hair, I discovered a great resource in, in, in an unexpected place, and that was YouTube. Um, because of
0: YouTube's just completely it, everywhere. It's
9: just everywhere, and I know it sounds like, so, not, like not an interesting response, but it was fascinating, and I would find myself Sending links to Diane Paulus, um, as I would find some clip that someone had their eight mil- eight millimeter camera at some being in Golden Gate Park in 1967, where it was just 15 seconds of something incredible. And um, I mean, I did re- I did read a lot of research uh, online, um, a lot of. Um, a lot of costume history books were helpful a little bit but um, really mostly real real photographs and real um, film I have I bought the entire decade of the 60s of Life magazine on eBay and um, that convenient was convenient
0: excuse for it right? yeah <laughs> I was like I, I have this <laughs>
9: great cachet of Life magazines that will keep keep me um, informed for the rest of my life anytime I need anything for the 60s because that's always the best research um uh, catalogs of um, department stores, also incredible research for just what were what were people actually really wearing? Montgomery Ward, Sears, Robuck, you know, fashion magazines, not so much, because that's not what the real people wear.
0: Really. I, I always thought that that's what everybody wore.
9: I know it just continues. <laughs> it continues to today, but it's not true. Right
0: now, I'm, I'm I'm assuming that every single girl should be, you know, like only skin and bones, literally, and yeah, and, they should. They should all be six <laughs>
9: six feet tall and weigh ninety seven pounds. That's what real
0: people are, and because they're on television now too. Mm, that was absolutely, <laughs> not now, this, real people. This may or may not be a silly question. I really don't know, but I, I like, like silly questions in a show like Hair. Well, obviously the nudity isn't necessarily their thing. I'm thinking, how much influence did you have in terms of how it looked with your costume? The hair itself. Um, Did you play with each actor or something to work with? And, and I ought to say, too, that one thing that very much surprised me is it really seemed like the majority of these actors actually had hair and not wigs.
9: They really, they, they actually <laughs> do. Um, they were, I've said this before, The one of the most glorious things about this production is that it started out as a concert version. And um, therefore, there was never any... Um, uh, in the casting of it, it was purely to cast people that sounded beautiful singing this music and had the right energy and aura about them. And along with that was people that just came in and just sort of felt right, and they felt like somebody from that period. And um, with that came hair. <laughs> um, so there was a lot. There were a lot of the cast that just came with already great hair, not necessarily long, um, because. Um, it just needed to for, – for it to be scandalous and outrageous in the 60s, it just had to be longer than dad's hair. So um, a lot of the people came with wonderful hair that they have now continued to grow for me for two years because we did the concert and then, you know, everyone said, what should we do, Michael? What should we do? Well, let's wait. There's talk of doing it this summer again. So they, would, they were all pretty cool about growing their hair. And then we did it this summer. Now, it's, now how do uh,
0: actors manage to continue to grow their hair and not have to cut it for other jobs?
9: Sometimes they, sometimes they had to. There was, there's was there been a couple. There's one, one guy in the show, Paris, who does a lot of commercial work. And he's um, really great about always contacting me first. He's like, Michael, I've got this gig. Blah, blah, I might get this job. And I, they really want me to cut my hair. And... Um, I always say, please don't. And um, but it always manages to work out. I've no one's—it's never kept anyone from getting a job. And I think I think mostly because people were understanding too, when they would say, "I can't cut my hair because I'm in this musical called Hair." So um, I think we got away with that, getting around that um, a lot with a
0: lot of the actors
9: and the women. Of course, you know that's easy. Women don't have to cut their hair.
0: <laughs> Damn those women! They should have the same and it would be a tragedy Same I mean, disadvantages we men have. I
9: know, but when you see when you see these people <laughs> it would be a crime that they have this they all have such beautiful sexy hair. It's like a crime would be a crime to cut it anyway. So it's
0: if like, Only women understood men's pain of having to cut our hair. They don't get it. They don't get it. The the deep seated <laughs> <laughs> So now this is your f- um, first Tony nomination, right? Yeah. And uh, I understand that it's just been relatively recently that you uh, struck out on your own as a designer. From, yeah. Well, know, I, I, I,
9: I've I've been uh, I was in a, when I came here I, to, in New York in 1993. I spent um, uh, the next ten years freelancing and. Um, freelance costume design and also assisting on a couple of Broadway shows, which were wonderful, and I learned so much from the designers that I assisted on, assisted with their shows. But when you come here to really do something that you want to do, it, after a while, it's, it, it's, it's difficult to be the assistant, and emotionally. And so I, I decided to step away from doing that, but I didn't want to leave theater, um, I did for a time be very dramatic, and I had this sign on my apartment door, because I'm from Allentown, Pennsylvania originally, so I had this sign on my apartment door that said show business isn't for me. I'm going back to Allentown, which is a famous <laughs> line from 42nd Street. But I had that there to remind me not to do it, um, that I came here to do something, and I came here to be involved in professional theater. So um, the public theater where I had been working as a freelance um, a designer and also as a craftsperson um, were hiring their associate costume master and I applied for the job because I had a great relationship there, and I got that job so it was great so for the next five years, I stayed in theater um, i wasn't and I wasn't killing myself trying to to <laughs> to to get a a Broadway show or to to get noticed it was I just needed to step away from that and sometimes. You step away from something; it, it will it will pursue you rather than you pursuing it. I mean, it's a long it's the long shot way of doing it, <laughs> and um, it could very well have not paid off. But in this in this instance, it did pay off. I just decided that I wanted to stay in theater, but um, uh, I had to step away from the from the rat racey pursuit of of, of getting somewhere.
0: Now, uh, do you have like a dartboard with William Ivy Long's picture on it? And-
9: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I worked. How, how many times nominations for, uh, does he, he have? Has, like eighty. Well, he,
9: uh, I think he owns <laughs> six. Um, I worked for William, and I, I for a short time. And I, my, I, one day I was in his studio, and and nobody, everyone had left to go to other costume fittings. And I, and his little picture, I. Um, broke into his ca- I didn't break in but it was there I broke into his little cabinet and took his Tony Award for 9 down and took a Polaroid of myself holding his Tony Award for 9 and I thought that looks really good I'd like one of those to one day
0: but no I don't have a William Ivy Long dartboard <laughs> some people do but I don't <laughs> now I take it over over the course of your costume design work in New York that you've done a few smaller shows as well Yes, I've done a lot, I've done um,
9: some small little off-Broadway off, off, off Broadway things that no one's ever heard of.
0: And, and I'm wondering if there's any particularly interesting story of uh, how resourceful you had to be as a designer on, on one of those
9: shows. Oh, Lord. My, my A dear friend of mine who's also a <laughs> costume designer, Alejo Vietti, we we, we jokingly call them the $1.98 shows. <laughs> um, it's so sad because we're always like, oh, how are you doing? You run into a friend and... They're like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm doing another dollar show where there's no money, and the the resourcefulness is is it, it has no limits of where you have to beg, borrow, and steal things from. Um, you end up dyeing things in you know on your own kitchen stove. You're calling your mom saying, "Do you still have that dress you wore to, You know my nephew's wedding because it would work great in my show." You just beg everybody for stuff because they're that's all off off Broadway is it, no one has any money. Do you
0: ever hold signs in the street? You know, never had to go. I never had to go said. that far, but
9: but you know e- you know email distributions to to circle of theater friends. You know, help doing 18th century play with no money. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody got wigs? <laughs> Uh, that's what it's favors. And then it all comes, it all comes back to you. And there's little, there are, and that's the thing. If that's the other good thing about, I was very fortunate that I drew through various different, various different people I worked with. I became associated with, with wonderful off Broadway, off Broadway theaters, like the public theater and playwrights horizons where, um, they are generous and understanding with the people that work with them and work for them that, uh, Sometimes they needed to help them out a little bit when every time you know, you're working on a show and you just need a sewing machine or you just need somewhere to come and come and wash some stuff you just bought at the Salvation Army. That's that's what um that's what I I, I remember appreciating most when I had to do those little off off Broadway dollar ninety eight shows, my friends at these theaters that would let me come in and borrow their space.
0: And I'm assuming you didn't have too tight in a budget for a show that pri- in the irony here probably would have been easier to costume hair for a $1.98 yeah and actually I the
9: did 18th <laughs> <laughs> I, the the concert version was a little more than $1.98 yeah. but there was no money there was no money because it really was just um, a three night event in Central Park and um there wasn 't really money budgeted for it, but my you know they gave me a little bit of money, I think mostly simply because I was an employee of the public theater, and I just said look you got to give me something mm-hmm. you know I, I need a little bit so I had you know about a thousand dollars to cost him twenty six people and the band, and um, that was a lot of favors from around the country <laughs> I, that that was calling theaters I've worked at in the past 10 years around the country and just saying throw anything that's from the 60s or looks like a hippie in a box for me, please. can you just
0: like go to somewhere in the Midwest where they're like you know, don't read Cosmo? (laughs) That's actually where
9: for the summer summer production, that's actually where a lot of the vintage clothing came from Austin, Texas. I've worked at a theater in Austin, Texas uh, off and on and they have great vintage stores that have not been tapped or sucked dry like the New York uh, vintage clothing stores do. Um, And so I got a lot of resources from out there inexpensively, which of course then we had a copy for Broadway because the vintage clothing only can last so
0: long. (laughs) Now, you were talking about how you, you did your time as an assistant, you know, and, and I, I, would you still recommend that as a way to sort that? Oh,
9: absolutely. Approach. I learned so much from, from the designers I worked on about um, um, prioritizing... Um, the list you have to do, you know, you get, you know, you end up with this long list of to-dos, and prioritizing, and um, of what is important right now, and what is something that can wait till later to deal with. That's a great thing I learned from designers, and also just, you know, learning my way around New York. The first show I worked on when I came to New York was um, I was a shopper on the Broadway production of Blood Brothers, and for the national tour, and. I became the assistant on the national tour, and just learning how to get around New York and where everything is. I still use those resources I learned in 1993, and um, also I worked on I worked a little bit on um, television on Law and Order, and that was um, a really great learning experience. Working on something where you have to costume things so quickly, and making really good, clear choices. You know, you're at 6:30 in the morning, and the entire. You know, you've got to have a bunch of people out on the street looking like bums or prostitutes or whatever it is, and you've got to dress them.
0: Those aren't really bums or prostitutes. No, 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 no. they're not. We
9: we we dress them. (laughs) um, Sometimes they show up with their own stuff, you know. But uh, that was a really great learning experience, and I was only there for a short time. The costume designer Jennifer von Von Meyerhauser, wonderful costume designer, and uh, I really learned a lot there. Just making really, really quick, clear choices, and not getting. Overwrought or getting, you know, the vapors about what color should her shirt be? I don't know. It's like cameras rolling, get her on set. Put something clear and does it fit? Does it look good? Great. Some people overthink things. Way over way (laughs) overthink things and just stress about it and go for drinks and talk about it and talk about it the next day and Jesus, it's just a pair of socks.
0: So, the, for the the college graduate just, you know, coming with their degree all head big about how brilliant of a costume designer they are now, on the flip end of being an assistant, since you're recommending it, what realistically should they be prepared? I mean...
9: Realistically, they should be prepared to, to work very, very hard. You spend some of your time just as the assistant just keeping um, the designer on track with what needs to get done. And then the rest of the time, you spend... Um, Really, really pounding the pavements and doing a lot a lot of work and shopping and running around and just keeping all of the balls in the air for um, the various shops that might be making the costumes and organizing the fittings all that it 's a lot of organizational stuff and I have to say that as again as the cost, as a person who runs the costume shop at the public with um, with luke mcdonough we 've discovered a lot of at least I have a new breed of assistants that just that act more like the designer than the assistant, and they don't seem to want to do a lot of work. And I find that surprising. Um, that they're—I don't know if they're spoiled or where, the, or that they think there's a there, there's going to be a bunch of minions or interns running around doing all of this stuff for them. Um, I find that surprising, you know, that there's, there's – um, uh, they're surprised that they actually have to go out on the street and find something or they, can, you know, they can't just go on the internet and search for something. And that's another thing too. I'm glad I came here as a designer before the internet because you find so many more interesting things when you go out on the street and go down into Soho and you look around for something because you find things you never even had in your mind. You have to go out and look for it you know it's not it 's not on in- the internet it 's not on blue fly and you know it 's just go search for ideas I, I mean you know it happened many times even on hair where you went out looking for something and um, you found something you didn 't even you know weren 't even looking for there 's the, the lead um, not the lead the, the 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 actress who sings Aquarius um, who, on Sasha Allen on Broadway right now, but this summer um, it was Patina who did the concert, Patina Miller did the concert version and the summer version and I was shopping for um, a completely different item at a vintage clothing store on, in New York and they had this wonderful vintage macrame bikini top. <laughs> i was like wow that's really cool i have to get that i don't know who it's for but i'm gonna get it because it just looks like it belongs in my show and it ended up being on Pati- patina i tried it on her and she loved it and of course we had to completely reline the whole thing and like you know because it was really old but we copied it then on broadway for sasha it's like now it's the dion costume this thing i wasn't even looking for um, so I encourage designers to, to – to assistant designers and people coming to just go out and look for stuff and just don't sit at the computer all day. Go on YouTube, look for research, but don't search for your costumes online. You're not going to find them.
0: So any last parting words of advice for, for any young costumers?
9: <clears throat> don't go back to Allentown and, until <laughs> you really decided if you've done what you came to do. Um, it's okay it, and it is okay to decide I've had enough but um, if you really don't feel like you've you've achieved what you wanted to achieve then you should just stick it out a little longer because it can happen and um, because that's what happened to me
0: alright well Michael McDonald uh, congratulations on your first Tony nomination I imagine you're going to be sitting a uh eagerly awaiting them to hopefully announce your name on Sunday night. You know, it would be nice. (laughs) You know, and they really did, the nominators,
9: the the nominating committee, they really did think outside the box this year. And I'm very proud of the field of people I'm nominated with, and I think any one of us could win.
0: Well, anyone... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you look so sincere I, saying that. I really <laughs> do
9: mean that. I, I really do. I was like, wow, I like, I like all these shows that I'm nominated with, and I think they did, I, all the designers, they did a great job. The clothes are great, and the other shows I'm, because there are other shows that could have been nominated that I would have been like, they didn't deserve that nomination. But uh, I, don't, I don't feel that way. I really mean that. I'm, I honestly don't mean that. But I want it because I have a little space on a shelf right now in my living room that I've dusted off that'll look
0: really great. Well I wish you the best of luck for this weekend and hopefully everybody gets out and sees your work in hair. It's uh doing incredibly well. That's yeah. <laughs> Was anybody expecting it to do this huge? No. <laughs> Especially like back I think, in January. I, I think everybody's kind of expecting it to
9: do like okay. It doing okay, but not so yeah. amazingly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's exciting. It's very, very exciting.
0: All right. Well, have a good week. I know you got Twelfth Night in the part mm-hmm. to prepare for, so that's going to be exciting as well.
9: Yes. yes. <laughs> and again, I continue to learn. where Jane Greenwood, amazing costume designer, designing Twelfth Night, so continuing a wonderful learning experience spending, around, spending time with uh, another amazing costume
0: designer. All right. Well, uh, with the Tony nomination, I think uh, your assisting days are probably going to be moving behind you. Yeah, I think so, too. All right. (laughs) Talk (laughs) to you later. Thanks. Bye. Bye. The new Broadway cast recording of West Side Story was just released, and we've got America from uh, the show. It's performed among other performers. Karen Olivo, who was in here when she was involved with In the Heights and is currently Tony-nominated as well. Best of luck to her. You can pick up West Side Story uh, physically and digitally pretty much everywhere now. So go check it out. In the meantime, here's America.
10: Side. Hey, this is Marty Cooper back again on the positive side after a long hiatus. I've been working my butt off uh, seven days a week, and uh, I decided this week was an important week to come back. Uh, as in the past, uh, I have a guest star. Uh, it's Mr. Michael Gilbo.
0: Hey, how's it going? It's, <laughs> guest star.
10: <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> He's sitting right by me. Well, well, maybe Star is a little overrated, but anyway. Uh, anyway, we're going to talk about some of the nominations and some of our predictions.
0: Uh, so, Marty, let's start with Best Musical. Uh, do you think anything's going to take the crown from Billy Elliot?
10: Uh, well, I think its closest competition is probably next to normal, at least as far as uh, public opinion. Um, I, forgive me for saying this, but... I liked Shrek a lot. Uh,
0: (laughs) I don't forgive you. No, I haven't seen it, so...
10: Let let me tell you a little story about Shrek. Uh, This past weekend, I saw a movie called Up. Uh, And I realized what was right with Shrek, you know, for people who are not happy with cartoons taking over Broadway, is that watching Up this weekend and watching the Ed Asner character and... Realizing there was more humanity there than some of the than some of the real dramas that are on screen, uh, I realized sometime somewhere in the middle of Shrek, you realize that behind the this makeup behind this ogre facade, there is a real human being there, and there are real emotions and real problems and real carings and loves and everything, uh, desires to do things with his life and whatever. So uh, I find that most enchanting about that show. But no, I don't think anything will overtake Billy Elliot because I've watched that show many times, uh, both paying to see it and working it. In fact, when I'm at that show, I never take my break. I just sit in the theater and watch it because I'm always moved to tears by certain things that happen in that show, and I I like to compare it with a, a popular show a number of years back, Miss Saigon, in that in each act there is two or three things or three or four things that excite you that are happening that excite you, uh, either dance numbers or dramatic moments or whatever, and. Uh, and I find that most enchanting about this show. And, uh, uh, no, I don't think anything's going to overtake... Shred- oh, forgive me. <laughs> no, I don't think anything's going to overtake Billy
0: Elliot. and <laughs> slip there. What do you think is the most hotly contested <laughs> category this year? What, what What is the hardest for you to call?
10: I think Best Actor
0: in a Musical. Let's see, what do we, we have nominations for that are... Uh, uh, well, the, the trifecta of the Billy Elliot kids, Gavin Creel, Brian Darcy James, Constantine Rulis, and J. Robert Spencer. Do you think the trifecta of kids is going to win it? That's uh, my most hotly debated, should they have even been nominated?
10: Oh, well, I think... They that, that's
0: To me, that's just saying it's the role, not the actor, when you nominate three people who are rotating in a role.
10: I don't think so. Uh, that It's very hard. They, these kids were... I'm not, I'm not
0: denying they work hard. No. I'm, not, I'm saying just the sheer fact that you're nominating three people for a role says it's about the role and the show, not about the actor.
10: Well, in a way, you're right. Because I, uh, because... Which we all kind of know is true because, anyway, but... Because because, it, because anyone, anyone doing that role has to be really good. <laughs> uh, so I, I imagine if you put anyone in that part, you're going to be uh, similarly enchanted uh with what the kids are doing. You know, some kids have less of one thing and more of another, but in all, uh I've seen all four kids that are doing it right now and honestly, they equally impress. Uh so you might be right. You might be right. The role is so difficult to play because it's a combination of dancing, singing, personality, whatever. Uh and and I imagine anyone playing that role, if they, if they fail in any way, it will stick out like a sore thumb. So you might be right. You know, um, I'm going to go along. I might say, I might say the green ogre (laughs) might win it. Uh, And then I like Constantine. Yeah, I was going
0: to say, I don't know if he'll win, but Constantine actually is my choice to win. You know, it's a jukebox, it's light and fluffy, but I actually think he reveals a lot of depth and personality. I really think he deserves the award because I do think there are very few other actors who could step in and turn that role into what Constantine made it.
10: Yes, yes. But, alas...
0: Brian Darcy James, gonna he's great, but he's going to have replacement after replacement that does a good job. I think they're going to have a hard time really coming up with a replacement for Constantine Maroulis.
10: And uh, who else is there? There's J. Robert Spencer. Unfortunately, I haven't seen him yet, but I understand he's great. And who's the uh, fifth? The fifth uh, was Gavin Creel in here. Gavin Creel. Uh, he was, he was, they talked him down a lot because they thought he was... Uh, a little awkward in the part. Now, let me explain something. People who are downplaying uh, uh, Matt Cavanaugh on West Side Story as well as Gavin Creel and Hare, the thing about those two parts, uh, uh, Claude Bukowski and Tony from West Side Story, is they are people that don't belong in their situations. They are square pegs and round holes. Uh, Tony does not want to be a gang member. Uh, He wants to make love, not war. Uh, uh, Claude Bukowski uh, wants to make war, not love. Uh, He'd rather go fight for his country. So
0: I didn't didn't get that. It's not that he'd rather fight for his country, but he kind of wanted to obey the laws to speak. It wasn't that he wanted to fight, but he wasn't willing to break all the laws to not go do it,
10: but I, I also think I also think he's uh, I, I think I think the movie realized the character even a little better that that he's a patriotic guy and he feels it his duty. It was a completely
0: different character in the movie. completely really you
10: know. no no. Well, well he in, he, came, he didn't come from New York. He came from the Midwest, the Midwest, which I think actually might have realized the part a little better. You know, because it was kind of Dorothy and Oz you know, coming to Oz, you know, coming from the Midwest and coming to uh, the Emerald City uh, and finding that he doesn't really belong there. Um, but in any case, uh, it was a different character, but it was the same idea, that he did not belong with these group of people. And I don't think Gavin Creel's character in the show belongs with this group of people. And so he seems a bit off, um, and I think that's proper for the story in the show, as well as with Tony. And people, I wish you would stop downplaying Mr. Kavanaugh. I think he has a wonderful singing voice. Uh, people will say they love the movie. I thought Richard Bayman was totally miscast. And the singing voice they used for him, Jimmy Bryant, didn't really do a great job. Uh, so, so, but it was such a great film that uh, it was overlooked. Uh, to ramble on like I usually do as in Funny Girl Omar Sharif totally miscast but that was such a great film that you didn't even notice him sticking out like a sore thumb (laughs) but in any case uh, that's my feeling so I'm rooting actually for all of them Uh, I'm not sure who will win you know I saw part of Rock of Ages, and I was very impressed with the show. Great show! Despite
0: Amy Spanger, I really love the show.
10: Yeah, uh, I even think I even think she's good.
0: The, <laughs> if you turn off your ears when she's singing, <laughs> if you ignore
10: the fact that she's supposed to be eighteen and she's pushing forty, but, uh, I, th- I think the, it's a really cute, uh, a really cute thing where she. All of a sudden, she's given birth, and she doesn't have the bubble on her belly anymore. You know, and it comes out from under her sweat or whatever. You know, I think that's a cute idea. Uh, But in any case, uh, I enjoyed the show. And uh, uh, one thing I must say, I must talk up for uh, one of the people in the show, uh, and that's Savannah Wise, uh, who I knew as a little girl. Uh, she was Little Cosette in in uh, in, in Les Misérables, uh, and she's the daughter of the great dancer choreographer Scott Wise. And to see her stripped to almost nothing is uh, a little shock to my system. But uh, <laughs> she's great, albeit. Uh, I love that show, and uh, if if Billy Elliot wasn't such a strong contender, I'd be rooting for it. <laughs> uh, so. That's my views. I think we're
0: probably going to have really time to discuss in depth one more category. um, But we got Best Leading Actress in a Musical. Uh, Nominees, well, before I say the nominees, I want to say, just two years ago, I remember, there were so many amazing, there was like nine performances that in any year would be lots for a Tony nomination. But there were just so many great leading female performances. This is the year of Grey Gardens and, uh, and, um, and, uh, (laughs) <laughs> a lot of the well, Kristen Chenoweth was in the apple tree and there was uh, the Legally Blonde and there were just tons and tons of strong female parts yeah. this year I personally feel that there are a couple people that squeaked through that just quite frankly shouldn't have been nominated it almost makes me think maybe they should have shrunk the category this year, I won't say who to be nice before I n- name the nominees again, um, but it's Stockard Channing for Pal Joey, mm-hmm. Sutton Foster for Shrek the Musical Alice and Janney for a 9 to 5, the musical. Alice Ripley for Next to Normal. And Josephina Scaglione for
10: West Side Story. Well, i got to say, forgive me for sounding like I'm sure about this, but I'm sure Alice Ripley's going to win. I'm absolutely sure. I, I think the Tony's, the, well, it probably is engraved already, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think the Tony is engraved, and I, think, I don't think there's a question there. Uh, Alice and Janney should win just for bravery. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Alice when and I, Janney and Stalker Channing I saw just for bravery.
0: You know? Stalker Channing I thought was amazing as an actress in Pal Joey. As as, as a singer, she and, and left... You, a bit, I, mean, but I, I thought t- Alice and Janney pulled it off better than Stalker Channing vocally. I gotta she tell harmonized, you, she sang...
10: Like, no, I, she, gotta, I gotta tell you, go pick up, a, pick up a copy of the original Pal Joey and listen to Vivian Siegel. People talk about people's voices but way back when no one worried that Lauren McCall couldn't sing she was a presence you know Allison Janney is a presence when you come on she comes on stage as well as stuck at Channing you know you're seeing a star you know, and and that's what makes it. It was the same thing with Melanie Griffith in Chicago years back. Everybody was saying, "Melanie Griffith, you know, she can't do anything." But when she walked out on that stage, there was a star in front of you. I mean, it was star power. And and just when she came out of that from behind the set, and you went, oh, that's her. That's Melanie Griffith." You know, and and. I think it's the same with these two other women. You're watching a real star, as with Lauren Bacall in the two musicals she did, and she I think she won Tonys for both of them, Woman of the Year in applause. Um, she couldn't sing, definitely. You know, I don't think people worry too much about voice. Uh, could Rex Harrison sing? Uh, it, it depends on if the role calls
0: for it. It's not about voice. I personally did not enjoy listening to Stalker Channing sing in Pal Joey as much as I, I loved her acting. Did.
10: I think she did Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered wonderfully. I think she did that Alison Alice song. and
0: Janney, I still, I enjoyed her singing. Yeah. You know, may, she may not be the biggest belter or the strongest trained Broadway voice, but I thought she was a fine singer.
10: Especially that number with the with the cartoon behind her. I thought it was great. Uh, uh, I mean, there's some wonderful staging in that show. But I gotta say, when I was done, I will liken it to another show of a few years back, same theater, I believe, uh, Victor Victoria. Uh, I enjoyed a lot of parts of that show, but didn't enjoy the total. When I left the theater, I went, that was okay. Uh, there was nothing I really took home with me, as with nine to five. You know, I think we'll ha- it will have a mamma mia type life, as I think Rock of Ages will also, uh, if they find a replacement for Constantine, and I think they will.
0: They will, but I don't. I don't think they'll find somebody who brings quite the same magic.
10: You know, I think when he does Oh Sherry, it's just a magical moment in that show. It's just great, uh, uh, and. uh... I enjoyed him a lot but I think I think Billy Elliot has the I think people's sentimental favorite will be Billy Elliot. Mm-hmm. Shall we talk about best actor in a musical? We did. Oh, we did talk about it. <laughs> well, me. Uh, So I
0: think we both agree. I think it's going to come down to, do they give it to the, the veteran who really deserves it, you know, or, or, uh, Alice Ripley, or are they going to give it to the star, who also is, quite frankly, fairly deserving, Alice and Janney, but I think, no question, I, I most go with, theater people I go with, would go with Alice I go Ripley.
10: with Alice Ripley. I go with Alice. And, and and Next to Normal will tour very well also, and that we, we, we have to look at that also. Uh, um well, telling see, it what's is basically about making money. About
0: yeah, I think the last category we should discuss, actually, is, is best original score. And based on your thing of, uh, you said, next to normal tour, I think Next to Normal has a shot at sealing the score crown from Billy Elliot. Uh, I don't know, you know. Because this is why. Personally, I, I really, it's weird, when I saw Next to Normal, I did not enjoy the musical. But I enjoyed the music. Yeah. I don't like. I didn't like the story. Didn't care for the characters. I personally found it to be a recycled Lifetime of the Week story set to music. And I, I don't personally get why there's all this amazing, you know. In fact, I'd rather at have, all at all. In I, other I, words, I'd rather have a bottle
10: in front of me than a funnel lobotomy the I yeah.
0: thought the right. performance. <laughs> it was. Weird, it was weird. I thought the actors were great. And but this is the catchers. I thought the the music and the score was outstanding. They're you know, I miss the mountains. You know, uh, the I'm alive. There are songs that are some of the best.
10: And there are a lot of songs. Also. Yeah.
0: There are some lot, of the best numbers. There about 30 songs? numbers. I, I, I personally find the lack of tune, of real solid, catchy tunes on Broadway is getting annoying. You,
10: you're talking about this. i got to say one thing, and this is not nominated for anything, but I think Hair, the show Hair, has one of the greatest musical scores ever. You
0: know? I agree. And when I saw it, my thought was there still hasn't been a rock musical that's done better.
10: Yeah, I, Rock even of the Ages rent.
0: doesn't quite count because it's, of course, pulling actual rock songs.
10: Even, even Rent, even Rent, didn't quite have the. Uh, I, I liken the music from Hair to some of the great Beatles songs because all of them have great, complicated melodies, uh, and and I thought this when the show first opened in '67. What a great score! And some of the songs, there's an album available now through iTunes and through Archive Music called Disinherited, which is some of the songs they left out. And some of those are pretty damn good, too. Uh, So you might want to listen to that. It's available on iTunes. Um, So you might want to take a listen to that. Uh, James Rado does some of the songs uh, uh, and some of those arrangements are wonderful they're like really late 60s string arrangements they really sound great you know. Uh, a couple of things I want to say before we finish uh, I want to talk about a couple of the snubs and we will get to straight plays a musical and a straight play uh, and I know Michael disagrees with me with one of them um, And for good reason. Uh, I think Daniel Breaker, to be snubbed, is a crime. I think he's wonderful in Shrek. Uh, And I got to say, if anything came up against Billy Billy Elliot for Best Musical, my feeling is Shrek. I really enjoyed that show, and I've seen it a number of times. Uh, I really enjoyed that show. Not as much as Billy Elliot, but I really liked that show, and... Uh, but I think Billy Elliott's greatest competition will be next to normal uh, in general. And uh, uh, as far as straight plays, uh, 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 Su- 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 Susan Louise O'Connor uh, playing Edith in uh, uh, A Bly Spirit. Uh, but of course to put her up against the person that will win, Angela Lansbury, uh, would be kind of a laugh. But... I've seen that show numerous times, and and she always brings a smile to me. Like I said, I think she's fantastic in the role.
0: I, I had a great time interviewing her. I don't consider it a snub because it's just not a role anybody was ever going to nominate. It's, yeah. It's, she made the most of not... It's not a supporting role. It's a bit role that she yeah. made so much of. But she's there all of. the time. Yeah, but, but listen, <laughs> it's a bit role that she juiced just right into an amazing performance,
10: but... Well, there's going to be a spoiler here for some people, but at the end, when, when Charles gives her money and she doesn't know what he's giving her the money for, and then she looks at him and closes her robe and says, Oh, sir! And you realize, did she think that he compromised her in, in any right frame of mind? Right. I mean, it's a very funny moment. And it possibly gets the biggest laugh in the whole show. You know, so, so, I mean, the other night people were laughing for like it stopped the show for about two minutes. People just, or when she's lifting up the tray off the chair and it pulls her body off the ground. That's a really funny moment, and that gets applause every night. So, so, it seems hard to believe that they wouldn't even think about her, but, but of course, up against Angela, I, I don't think they should have even. Nominated anybody up against Andrew. <laughs> you know, because she is true royalty and I know she's the one award, um, sh- actually, I'm sure about her and Alice. I'm sure Alice will win best, best uh, uh, actress. Yeah, in- for
0: me, the one snub and most of my listeners probably shouldn't be too surprised that yeah. I'm really upset the title of show didn't get, you know, Score and Best Show nominations. It's been forgotten in the minds. It was small,
10: but it was amazing. And But as with, as with, and I didn't see it, so I can't talk, but as with Tale of Two Cities, where I think James Barber definitely deserves some kind of recognition, they're not going to nominate anything from that show because it's long forgotten.
0: Well, at least uh, Hunter Bell got nominated for a book, but I, yeah. I think it deserved more.
10: Yeah. I heard some of the songs, and they're hilarious. Uh, And I saw some of their shows at the benefits that they put on at the Broadway Cares Benefits, and those were great. Uh, So, whatever. So, uh, I'm glad to have this talk with you, Michael.
0: All right. Uh, We'll see what happens on Sunday.
10: Well, once again, and I'll be there. Yeah, Poison's
0: performing at the Tonys. Poison. That's uh, I think day. there's a
10: lot of power at these Tonys. I mean, you have poison, you have you poison up.
0: anymore, a lot of power. <laughs>
10: <But> <laughs> you know, some people might say, this is interesting.
0: The, there's gonna be some, uh, there might be some interesting twists happening at these Tonys. I,
10: and I think Elton's singing with yeah. the cast of. I know they're going to do electricity, I'm and, sure. And
0: maybe. I hear Dolly Parton's going to be doing something yeah. as well with even.
10: I know she'll do the title number with the rest of the cast, probably. And I'm predicting that. Elton doesn't. So election. that seems. Although I kind
0: of appreciate that they want the ratings, at the same time, having the stars perform the songs of the cast almost makes it feel a bit too American Idol-ish to me. Which uh, maybe that's even kind of what they're going for. I don't
10: know. <laughs> Isn't that what everybody's going? <laughs> <laughs> so. Why not get Susan Boyle on there? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that's the biggest overkill
0: ever. Well, she's gone through the whole. Uh, the whole VH1 behind the music story in two weeks from I, instant stardom to now she's like, this has
10: nothing to do with what
0: emotional breakdown this, in
10: rehab. This has nothing to do with what we're talking about at all. <laughs> but I must say one thing about Susan Boyle. Susan Boyle is great, but there are other people in this world just as great. I think the thing that made her is enchanting is that voice coming out of that face and that body that enchanted everybody and surprised everybody I think and now there's a backlash and understandably so so uh, in any case all right. that's all I had to say you know <laughs> kind of negative for being <laughs> on the positive side but in any case uh, once again this is Marty Cooper on on the positive side uh, if you have any opinions uh, email me at broadwaymartie at com. Uh, hope to be back soon if I'm not crazy busy uh Thank you very much. Bye-bye.
5: On the Boards.
0: Danny and Sylvia, the Danny Kay musical, opened on May 13th off-Broadway at the St. Luke's Theatre. And we have got the two stars, Brian Childers, who plays Danny Kay, and Kimberly Faye Greenberg, who plays Sylvia Fine. Hi. Hello. How are you guys doing? We're doing Good. great. How about you? Great. Good. So I guess the very first off the top of the thing, the da- Sylvia,
11: Danny and Sylvia, the Danny Kay musical, what is it about? It's about the <laughs> life of Danny Kaye. Um, it really covers the, the early years of, of Danny Kay from the time he was um, uh, just a, a young entertainer in the Cats skills in the borscht belt where he met sylvia at an audition and how she really Helped his career and focused uh, Danny's sort of manic energy into sort of the Danny Kay that we, we've come to know later on in his life. The elegant, the uh, arms, the hands, the gibberish, the patter, the, all that sort of Danny Kay isms that, uh, that we know him to be. The show covers the relationship about Danny and Sylvia, like I said, from the time they meet, um, all the way through their first child, which was Dina Kay, Their only child, which was Dina Kay. So, how, now this has been a project you've been involved with, both of you, for a while. Isn't mm-hmm. it? Yes, it has. Yeah. yeah. Um, I started this project in 2001 um, at the American Century Theater in Washington, D.C., and um, a director came up to me and said, you're going to play, had seen me in a, in a previous show and said, you're going to play Danny Kaye and I have a script on my desk. And I knew very little. I knew he was in White Christmas, but I had no idea of the complete scope of his work and how much he, he did uh, the... The, the comedy and the patter and the hands and that kind of stuff, so uh, started working on it there uh, we did, We ran it for almost two years there in in washington d c on and off. Um, won some awards. It was very exciting, and we brought it to a festival here in New York. And um, you know, as anything, uh, shows are not written; they're rewritten. So we uh, we we took uh, uh, some time to to try to rewrite the show. That's sort of where um, I met Kimberly.
7: Yeah, I came in kind of in an offshoot of Danny and Sylvia, which was a different show. We met there, I did that for several years together, and um, and then of course then came this show. Which Full was circle, fantastic. Full circle. We came, came circle. back to
11: uh, Danny and Sylvia, and. Uh, at the St. Luke's Theatre and so Kim is now back to being Celia Fine and we're back together after all these, kind of amazing, <laughs> these many actually. years it's really really fun <laughs> Now, so is this a strict two-hander? It is, is just a, it's a two-person show.
7: Yep, it's just two of us. It's got a lot of Danny Kaye songs. It's got some original material as well. It's really interesting and helps to move the story along. Um, it's kind of got uh, it's a bit of a traditional musical theater twist, um, a little bit more contemporary-sounding music. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely more focused on the love story. It's a really nice love story and...
11: Love being in quotes. quotes. (laughs) If you know anything
7: about, if you know,
11: yeah, about their personal life, they they had you know the struggles that they had. Sylvia was 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 a very big presence in Danny's early er, early life. She controlled sort of not only the music that he would sing, she would accompany him. She became his manager, his agent, his lawyer. And as anyone knows in any sort of relationship, that can get complicated. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, so eventually, Danny sort of. um, without giving the complete show away. Uh, you know, he, they had their problems and he went off to do some things on his own. And that's sort of, the again, the relationship that we deal with. Uh, the story that we tell is the relationship we deal with. And Kim's right. We do a lot of original uh, Danny material. We do uh, Dina. We do Tchaikovsky. We do uh, L- uh, Malajuster Jester, Minnie the Moocher, Mew- Mew- uh, Melody in 4F. So really big Danny numbers that are signature Danny numbers intermi- intermixed with the original material, which was written by Bob Bell. Um, who was the lead guitarist on the johnny carson show and the script was written by bob mcelwain who was danny's publicist for the last 20 years of danny's career so it comes from a very um personal the story is is from a very personal level from bob's perspective and it really is a love letter to danny and sylvia
0: so well at that point maybe before we continue on with the interview we should play uh, you brought in a couple tracks that you sing in the in the show, do sure. You, do you want to set up this
11: first one here? Uh, sure. The first one is um, is uh, sort of a signature Danny tune by the name of "Dina." Um, it's an old standard, but but with a Danny twist, and it has inc- it includes sort of Danny's patter that that double talk, that gibberish that he he puts into his own comedy. That I'm sure that Sylvia helped develop.
7: As we like to say, she kind of knew how his tongue worked. <laughs> <laughs> Both sides of the coin.
11: (laughs) So uh, this is Dina. All right, let's take a listen.
7: Dina.
5: Is there anyone thinner in the state of Carolina? If there isn't, you know her. Show her to me. Oh, Dina. See, I is blazing I love to sit and gaze To the ease of dinner lay I know that every night Oh, I do, I shake with pride Because my dinner might Change my mind about me Hey, hey, how do Dinner, if she wanted to I will have an ocean Just to be that. a real heat killer all
0: right now i understand that the two of you actors have developed into uh, Let's just say I, I get the impression that you don't escape each other when you leave the theater. <laughs> no, that's very true. We actually—it's a funny
7: story. Um, after we got finished doing the last incarnation before Danny and Sylvia, uh, Brian needed some place to live, and in my building, the apartment literally next door on the other side of the wall became available, fully renovated, beautiful, and I convinced him to move in next door. So it's now- <laughs> great. So literally, not only do
11: we work together every day, um, we go—we travel home together. We literally knock on the on the wall. We're wall to wall, like door to door. Real life,
7: Will and Grace. <laughs>
11: <laughs> it's very true. I'll walk in and say, "Hey, what's up?" You know, just walk into the apartment. So it's it's a lot of fun. We have a, it's it's really nice to, to have someone so close and to be working with Kim and have such a good relationship. So yeah, it's great. And hopefully, it translates on stage as well. We have a really good stage chemistry because yeah. we know each other so well. So we trust each other a lot.
0: So does that make you feel like you have a bigger apartment in New York?
11: Yeah, it's kind <laughs> of <so> nice. <laughs> i guy got mine and a little of hers. Vice versa. <laughs> and it's great because you know I don't have to you know, cook you every I go eat
7: mayonnaise. You go next door. Right. I don't
11: have to go to the store. I can just go to Kansas.
0: <laughs> so it's really nice. So what have been some of the other projects that the two of you have been uh, doing and pursuing over the many years that this has been developing?
11: Um, I was um, – well, I, I, been, I played uh, Tom Sawyer over um, on the national tour of The Adventures of Tom Sawyer by Ken Ludwig, which was here for a hot minute several years ago. And then it toured. Um, what about you?
7: Um, I've done a lot of regional theater. Um, yeah. And what also is interesting, too, is that in addition to performing when I'm not performing, I make my living as a, a wardrobe dresser on Broadway. So I've dressed over over 10 Broadway shows now, I have to my credit. And um, it's a great actor job because I work at night. I audition during the day. And when I leave, I get to go away and do a show and then come right back to my Day job, so I really can't complain, which is great.
0: So, Uh, are are any of the actors they have to dress really smelly? (laughs) (laughs)
7: Well, I can't really talk
11: under the hot lights. Uh, so, <laughs> you can't talk about it. You can't tell it. Uh, you know,
7: I don't want to tell everyone's right. dirty laundry. Right. Wah, wah. You know,
11: boy, that was terrible.
7: You <laughs> can so. make a
0: generic name. So, you know, yeah, blank yeah. out the names to protect <laughs> no, the, the guilty. No, I'd to.
7: that. <laughs> I need to have my job, you know, tomorrow, so that'd be good. <laughs>
11: And what about you, Brian? Any interesting day jobs along the way? Um, the I am the caterer. You know, survival jobs are what we have um, as actors. So um, not only uh, when I'm not working in the theater, I'm doing um, catering. I cater with a catering company just to pay, pay the bills. But I've been very fortunate. I've been very blessed. I lived in D.C. for five years and worked all in the regional scene there and uh, went on tour and have been really working with this project on and off for about eight years with the Danny, with the Danny show. So that's been really great in terms of keeping me employed. Um, and, and
7: I have to say, too, what's great about Brian is he really has the essence of Danny K down. When you watch him, you really think you're watching Danny K. He's got all the movements, all the gibberish, especially the vocal inflections. It's really fantastic to just watch. And I've seen him develop, too, over the course of the several years since I've known Brian. It's really amazing.
11: I get, But anything I get my hands on, you know, to, to, to learn about Danny K was... Um, was I mean, TV shows, radio shows, people I've talked to. Um, actually, Susan Gordon, who was the little girl in The Five Pennies, is coming to see the show. I had a long talk, uh, conversation with her. I met Victoria Myerink, who was the little girl in the Danny Kay show in, in L.A. when we did the show in L.A. So it's been really neat to sort of... Uh, understand not only the Danny performer, but the offstage Danny, and 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 to get both sides of that story, and we tell that in the show as well. So it's 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 been a a lot of fun for for me as an actor to really just delve into not being an imitation of Danny, but really just developing him not only as a as a human and and like I say, offstage onstage. So it's really been quite a quite a, a fun uh, project to, to be working on for these many years.
0: Now you said you that you weren't that you know familiar with Danny Kay before you started. Since you've gotten into all this research <laughs> and, and over the course of play, what what are some of the most interesting? Tidbits that you've discovered.
11: Well, <laughs> you know, uh, um, the, the the more interesting side of I mean, I love the performer, Danny. I love doing this material. I mean, the material alone, which Sylvia wrote. <clears throat> excuse me, Sylvia wrote for Danny a lot of the material, like the Maladjusted Jester and Melody in 4F and Anatole of Paris, which we do in the show. She wrote for him, so just to get to do that material has been great. Um, Danny, um, he's an interesting person, especially as he got older. I mean, um, Danny and Sylvia did stay married. For for the rest of their life. I'm not saying that their marriage was anywhere near um, perfect. Uh, he lived on one coast. She lived on another. Um, he could be very, you know, bipolar. I think he was bipolar before we knew what that was, before we did medication. Danny went to um, therapy three times a day, five times a week, psycho psychoanalysis, which was really in the 50s, 60s, was really, really big, and three times a day, five times a week. So all those things are very interesting. What, what makes that person... That off-stage persona of sort of the the manic depressive person and the on-stage clown, you know, the, it's a it's a perfect foil for a for a, for a lot of material to, to to develop and find out and layer on a performance. So it's a lot of fun. Now, Kimberly, obviously for Danny
0: Kaye, there's. Oodles and oodles of yeah, you know no, movie is. footage and public record yeah. of you know, being the celebrity. Where did you draw your inspiration for Sylvia?
7: Well, it's interesting. I mean, I I made it a point to try to find some sort of video tapes of her just so I could see her in person. First of all, there's not a lot of that because Sylvia did not, under any circumstance, like to be in the um, in the eye of the public. She was not a performer herself. So um, and there was a couple specials that she did in the '70s that kind of highlighted numerous Broadway shows at the time with which she actually hoped with Danny so I was able to get copies of those there's been a couple of documentaries I've been able to watch a lot of it too was just from reading a lot of the autobiographies on Danny Kay. Um it's they do share a lot of information about Sylvia, Sylvia. And what's lucky about this particular journey is talking with Bob, who knew Danny Kay personally, knew Sylvia was able to share some of that information with me. And I guess part of it, too, is just thinking about a woman in the 40s trying to move ahead in the career world when that was not done back then. I mean, women did not do that. So I just I kind of had to take from what we do today, which is very much like a woman's lib, you know, very take a stand on how women get ahead today and kind of take that back a little bit into the 40s and how would she present herself as far as dealing with all these great head of the big movie studios of her time and just kind of go from there so it's been quite a journey being on stage with brian is great because it's just being being able to trust each other and just take it from an acting standpoint just really as honest as we possibly can approach these characters and hope that we're serving the real people well hoping they're looking down upon us and being like okay well these people are projecting me and i Way. I mean, that's what we hope for. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. Well, we got another song before we kind of finish up the interview here. Do you want to set up this other song that we Sure.
11: Uh, this is the song that really made Danny famous. Um, in 1940, he starred in Lady in the Dark, um, which was written by Kurt Weil, uh, Moss Hart, Ira Gershwin. And he only had about Thirty-eight seconds uh, of a solo, and, it, and it's the Tchaikovsky, or it's called Tchaikovsky and other Russians. But it's it's a basically um, again they knew they played to Danny's strengths. They wrote him a piece of material that is nothing but patter, and it lists fifty-four Russian composers in about thirty-eight seconds. And I do it twice um, here and in the show um, once, and then of course fun, really fast, like like Danny used to do. Mm-hmm. And that really started. I mean, that really that little bit of time just he knocked. Out of the park every night, and and it really uh, that
7: catapulted him. I'm catapulted him, to him what into he huge became. success.
0: Yeah, yeah. What, was it like Susan Boyle singing <laughs> "I Dreamed a Dream" on YouTube? Would um, have been you know, all over, hundred million views on YouTube. If you know, it's funny because if it were today,
11: probably so. Um, because it's pretty impressive. I mean, just but just all the all the patter that he did. But yeah, sort of that Susan Boyle of his day. But it did catapulted him into huge success. And and from from Lady in the Dark, he went to Let's Face It. Which was another show written by Cole Porter, and then he went and did his movie career and 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 his and his, uh, sort of stage performer performances, and um, so this really this song really set it up for him um
5: to you know to succeed. Yeah. All right, let's take a listen. Okay. there's Malachevsky, Rubin, Stravinsky and Stravinsky and and I really have to stop the subject, has been Dr. enough. Stravinsky, Grichonov, Rumschinsky, Rachmaninov. I better stop because I feel you all have a neck There's Malachevsky, Roman Stanorinsky and Tchaikovsky. Sapelno so, Kop Dmitry of Cherubnik Kryzhanovsky. Kutosy or Tubchimaryusko at Kiminko. Solovia Prakovi of and There's Glinko Winkler, Bordinatsky Rabakovinsky, there's Men of Balakina and Sokolov Finkop, Alav, Dukalski, and Kopalov to and Klinovsky, Ashikovic Borodingliarnokovsky, there's Lia and Karginov and Dorgomisky Cherichsky and Basyko. Stravinsky Rimsky Korsa Kapazuski Grid Cholin and glass and nothing and Grichonov, Rumchinsky, Rokin the subject and the Stravinsky, up. I better stop because I feel you all love a dick enough!
0: It's become a trend uh, recently to for uh, commercial shows to start looking outside of the box of the eight shows a week, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, and this show definitely follows a trend. You got kind of an interesting performing schedule at St. Luke's. That- well,
7: we have four shows a week. Um, we actually do mostly matinees. Um, we do Wednesday matinee, two, a Saturday Sunday matinee, and a Sunday evening show.
0: Sunday or Saturday? Evening? So, Wait, a, Saturday.
7: A, a Saturday. Evening. I'm sorry. Let's <laughs> try Saturday that again. Sunday matinee and a Sunday. A Saturday, you stop evening. talking.
11: We do a Wednesday matinee, Saturday matinee, Saturday night, and Sunday.
7: Matinee.
11: Thank you. It's very, very, I hope you all got that. If not, you can <laughs> hopefully edit. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it uh, in in any sort of uh, commercial run Broadway life. Just speaking, you know, uh, practically, you don't want to open a show and then you know say, well, we can't fill. You know, we can't fill. We don't know. You know, nowadays it's very risky to open anything, um, especially in the economy. So this is sort of where we're starting, and we're starting with four shows a week, and it's been great. We're sold. Out it has been fantastic, and uh, we're hoping to add more shows and then build that way. Which mm-hmm. is which is we have is, a great uh,
7: advance sale, and yeah. people are really excited about seeing this. Which Ad- advance kind of sale off
11: Broadway?
0: Off Broadway, I, I know, right? I an mean, advance sale
11: anywhere. <laughs> I, a, there, it, we're very lucky. Um, yeah, there's a there's a huge advance sale on on our show, and 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 that isn't very typical for an off Broadway run. So we're we're really excited, and I think that has to do a lot with being in New York, and uh, you know, Danny was from Brooklyn. He, mm-hmm. you know, he grew up in Brooklyn, and and it's a very sort of New York theater story. That, the the side that we're telling because we're talking about when he started Lady in the Dark, and let's face it, and and that sort of uh, Borscht Belt Catskills. So this is the area, this is the time. You know, an older generation definitely remembered him and saw him. I mean, we have people every show come up and say, "I knew him in the Catskills. Yeah. I saw him on, on Lady in the Dark. I saw him at the London Palladium," um, and which is what we all deal with in the show. So I think the combination of of uh, The familiarity of Danny Kaye really has uh, brought the audiences in, and uh, we've been very fortunate. We've got some good reviews, and, and, uh, and things are going very well, so come get your tickets now. Yeah, and I think, too, <laughs> the,
7: the climate that we're in today as far as if people want to see shows, especially a show that's going to kind of take them back or just something that's going to make you feel really nice when you leave, just kind of feeling good about yourself and, and, like, you've seen just a nice evening in theater. I think this is a great show to come see, so—
11: yeah. Now you guys have a website as well that people can get more information from? We do. We have uh, www, uh www. <laughs> Danny you know I can do all the patter, but I can say <laughs> www. Uh, dot com is our is the or the St. Luke's website as well, uh yeah. com. So um, either one of those, and uh, you can order tickets also through Telecharge, and um, uh, we're going to be offering a discount here. I guess
0: they oh, offered offered excellent. for Broadway Bullet listeners if they go to the box office only. Oh great! There I you go. Yes, they can get the top price ticket, which is normally fifty six dollars, mm-hmm. yes. and they can get that ticket for forty. Yes, well that's so a bargain. A, Come get that's your tickets. It's a discount. That's great. <laughs> great evening as theater for forty bucks. You can't beat that. <laughs> All right, so St. Luke's, uh, DannyandSylvia.com. We've got Brian Shilders and Kimberly Fay Greenberg here. So thanks so much for stopping down
11: and best of luck with your open run. Thank, Thank you, you so much. very much. We appreciate your time. I had a good time. This
7: is great. <laughs>
0: The cast recording for Rock of Ages has just been released digitally, available everywhere, Amazon, iTunes, etc. And it's going to be coming out physically in stores on July 7th. I loved the show, and I'm pleased to play a song, although it's hardly musical theater out of context. But uh, we're going to play High Enough, which uh, features Constantine Maroulis and Amy Spanger, or at least a very... Computerized, auto tuned version of Amy Spanger. Despite Amy, I really do love the show, so uh, hopefully you'll have fun listening high enough from the cast recording of <laughs> Rock of Ages, nominated for Best Original Musical. I don't want to
3: hear about it anymore. She might got to live without you anymore. Oh, there's a fire in my heart A pounding in my brain It's driving me crazy We don't need to talk about it anymore Yesterday's just a memory Can we close the door? I just made one mistake Oh, I didn't know what to say when when you you called called me back. back. Yesterday's
0: just a memory. Yay, Constantine. Amy Spangler, was that live or Memorex? You decide. Anyway, cast album for (laughs) Rock of Ages, out now digitally available everywhere on July 7th. Check out the show.
5: Curtain
9: Call.
0: Well, that wraps up Volume 314 of Broadway Bullet. Uh, Now, I know last week I promised you a new... uh, uh, Broadway abridged for uh, Little Mermaid well the super secret stuff that I can't tell you yet uh, kept me a little bit too busy and I didn't get a chance to mix it down so I do promise I will have it in the next full episode we're going to have a special bonus episode next week for Planet Connections Festivity uh, we heard from the creators in the last podcast and uh, we're going to talk with uh, a bunch of the shows for uh, four, five, six of the shows that are involved and you can get a taste of some of the music and some of the shows and what's going on with festivity so you can check that out if you want and then the week after that is our next regular episode and Broadway Abridged, yes, it will be in there, Little Mermaid I think it's one of the funniest ones yet Um, so, well, thanks for hopping on board I'm really excited to tell you the news and I will tell you as soon as I can as soon as it's official so, I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, thanks for hopping on board and catch you next week (laughs)
2: Like once you're working there, because rent is about much more than just friendship, love, and musical
4: theater. It was about something that shook musical theater. People are becoming
11: more and more comfortable with you know issue of people being different.
4: I mean, we do it all. You know, we don't we don't back away from anything.
0: So.